Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with your laser. I told you you couldn't get through. Well, then maybe it's time for a smoke. Mullets and Memories, a MacGyver podcast about MacGyver. Season 4. What is that stuff? Silly putty with a bang. Welcome to WMAC 69.9. I'm your host, Dave Champa. I'm your other host, Greg Klein. This evening, as we drive through the night of life, we reminisce on MacGyver. MacGyver. And that's all I got. <laughs> MacGyver. Here we are. Mullets and memories. Oh, man. Welcome, everybody. Again, I am Dave Champa. I'm your other host, Greg Klein. Uh, this is Mullets and Memories, episode 82. Today, Greg and I will be talking about season four, episode 18, Renegade, the penultimate episode of season four. Uh, we are almost wrapped on on season four. Uh, uh, um, penultimate means almost ultimate. It is. That is exactly what it means. Uh, it is the almost, almost the ultimate episode. So, um, right. No, it's, that's not it's like it's associate professor. Associ- yes, exactly. Associate to the professor. Right. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the end of the, it's the almost end of the ultimate end of season four of MacGyver. That's pretty cool. Um, that, I have a question. So that music we just heard, that, that was the, uh, that was the opening of the episode since we've now done away with our opening narrations. Do you think that that was actually playing on the radio in Mac's Jeep when he was driving into the Phoenix Foundation? I think it <laughs> Is was. Is that what he listens to? Um, yeah, Mac, <laughs> Mac is a smooth jazz listener. That goes beyond smooth jazz. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty salty. I'm or- thinking that that's, that's what he listens to. That's his. That's his jam. He listens to the Muzak station that you can you can pick up. You know, like dentist office yes. can get and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what he does. He listens to popular music that has been completely erased of any kind of like character. Yeah. through the Muzak Corporation. So what was that? What was that song that we just heard? That was called. Uh, um, <laughs> Hold on. Wait. 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 wait let's, let's 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 see if we can decipher it. Hold on. Here it comes. Ready. Loving you is easy. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I call call this piece motorboat jacuzzi. And that's the episode title right there: motorboat jacuzzi. I'm a beer and a half deep, and I shouldn't be feeling this giddy, but I think I am. <laughs> Me too, and I, I'm kind of got a, I got the sniffles. So, so what are we drinking tonight, Greg? We we're gotta, drinking some Stella Artois. It's one of my favorite beers. It's my backup. I I was in the grocery store this afternoon, wandering, picking up stuff for dinner tonight, uh-huh. and I just stood in the beer aisle and I stared. <laughs> and I had I had two different kinds of beer in my in my um in my cart. Uh-huh. One of them was like a vanilla coffee ale. Uh-huh. I was really interested in it, but I, I second guessed it and I put it back. Then I got a uh, like a Leinen Kugel summer yeah. sampler, uh, a winter sampler. Uh-huh. It wasn't sold, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with the old standby. Stella is one of my old one of my Stella! old standbys. I love 
Stella, this beer. Stella Artois. If only for the fact that this is always in my parents' basement fridge. I like Stella Artois. Stella Artois. Um, I'm happy about this. <laughs> and I'm happy about where this episode's going to go. I'm I happy think. that you're happy about it. <laughs> um, what do you say? Should we jump into Renegade? Renegade? Is this a Lorenzo Lamas? <laughs> yes. Maybe that could be our next show. <laughs> Just do that. Is that a show? Yeah, Renegade was really. Yeah, remember you don't. I remember don't remember Rene- Renegade. Oh shit, David. Are we gonna have to go to Renegade next? Yes, <laughs> Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas or starring oh, Lorenzo. Lamas. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to jump on that bandwagon. Lorenzo, I'm done. I'm there. I'm all there. All right, let's jump in to uh, to episode 18, season four. So this aired uh, right about the middle of May. It was May eighth, nineteen eighty nine. So we're coming up to the end here. I was just about to celebrate my seventh birthday. Oh, me too. No, I was uh, May 8th. Oh, yeah, you were. I was right? May, May 12th, 89. I would have been my seventh birthday. And I'm going to go on another tangent <laughs> about my seventh birthday. Okay. I celebrated my seventh birthday at Papa Gino's. I made my own pizza. Papa Gino's? Papa Gino's in Westford, Massachusetts. <laughs> I made my own pizza. It was the glorious, glorious moment of that's, my life. That's amazing. How big was it? A full size pizza? It was a large pizza. Nice. Oh, yeah. I got to share with all my friends. Nice. And uh, they took it and then they left and I ate my pizza alone. Oh, really? <laughs> all by yourself? No, it was good. But yeah, P- Papagino's pizza, for those of you who have never had it, you need to find a Papagino's and go. It's the greatest pizza on the face of the earth, <laughs> bar none. All right, here we go. So the music you just heard, um, Motorboat Jacuzzi. <laughs> So it's MacGyver. He 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 arrives at the Phoenix Foundation after hours, and he sees the security guard. In the Western Division. The Western Division. Now, He's- if you remember, the Phoenix Foundation Western Division was completely blown up in uh, uh, that episode with uh, Sandra about a year ago. Yeah. Right? It was a season three episode. Right. Um, but no, it's it's fully intact. Uh-huh. And so MacGyver, you know, he pulls into the Phoenix Foundation. And he's he uh, he he got a call from a guy named Doctor Cosby. Not that Dr. Cosby. Mm. Okay. But we don't want to talk about that, Mr. Cosby. That's not. That's terrible. <laughs> that's not. That's not Hello, Bill. my that's name the- is uh, <laughs> Bill Cosby here. No. Wait, no, even- that's not even right. That wasn't even close. I don't even know who that was. That was uh, Bullwinkle. Uh, hello. <laughs> hello, my name is uh, Kermit the Bullwinkle Cosby. <laughs> so he's he got a phone call <laughs> from a Dr. Cos. They call him Dr. Cos. And uh, the security guard lets him in, and so MacGyver... d for short. d So MacGyver drives in, and he parks the car, and he, he goes in, and the camera pans over to the side of Max Jeep, and it kind of like sidles down underneath it, and we see that someone had attached himself to the undercarriage of MacGyver's Jeep. Which is amazing. It was amazing. It was- this, this guy held himself up underneath the, the, the undercarriage of the Jeep as MacGyver drove into the Phoenix Foundation. Now, I'm just saying... Uh, knowing that the Phoenix Foundation is only a think tank right. is the only way that I can justify that they have such loose security. Yeah. But the fact that they have, as we will find out, some pretty nasty stuff in there yes. that they don't check underneath vehicles as you go in, yeah, kind of surprising. No, yeah. We're going we're gonna to find out pretty quickly what, what is actually being housed in one level of this laboratory. So this guy drops down from underneath Max Jeep and he starts climbing to the roof. Gets up to the roof, and almost immediately upon getting to the roof of the Phoenix Foundation, bless you, 
Thanks. His body seizes up and he starts like grabbing his head like he's clearly having like a really massive headache. Like he's having head constipation. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's cl- <laughs> like clenching his teeth. <laughs> clearly in immense pound- amounts of pain. Like, have you ever seen Fist of the North Star? Yes. After the guy gets punched and he says, oh, don't you know, you're already dead. What? Huh? Oh, and then they blow up. It's, like, it's that kind of that's exact. Face. That's exactly what it was. And he's clearly in like massive amounts of pain. And then we cut back to the interior of the building, and Pete apparently has been he's been there all day. He's reviewing research and development funding proposals. Now, I don't know what those look like, what a research and development funding proposal looks like, but how many of those do you think Pete would have to go through in a day to look um, as frazzled as he did? I think Pete probably gets a stack of them every day, mm-hmm. and he has to read all of it. Um, and he, he can't skimp because it's not like a form letter. They're all a little bit different. Right. So he actually has to sit there and read these research <laughs> and development funding proposals. And with the glaucoma coming on that we, you know. It's, we don't know that yet, but maybe he's quietly suffering like he's having trouble focusing. Exactly. On right now. Exactly. So Pete, Pete's in there and he's, he tells Mac, he's like, yeah, no, I, I actually got information I'm supposed to. Uh, I'm supposed to give Dr. Cosby these these reports. Decos. Um, Decos. I'm supposed to give Decos these reports. So he and Mac get in the elevator and they start going down to whatever level they're going to. And um, up above them, whoever this man is, is commando. What I liked is that he's like wearing all black. He's got a face mask on. Like really classic like oh, ninja yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. I really liked that. And so he very slowly like drops himself down onto the top of the elevator as it starts going down. Now, I just want to make a point. Like, he pulled out a grappling hook yep. after he dropped out from underneath Mac's car like a big turd. Yep. And uh, threw this grappling hook up to hook the side of the building. Yes. Which is all good. Um, but when you finally realize how high that wall was, <laughs> yeah. it was like 40 or 50 feet Cause straight we, up. Because, yeah, in the closing of the first act, we see how high up it actually right. is. Like, yeah. So this guy took this grappling hook that like, kind of folds up he inside of this duffel bag. Hummed it. Whoosh, chucked it all the way up there by hand. First shot. And then climbed up the rope without any assistance. So, like... Right. No, I'm sure we've all been in gym class. We've all done the ropes course and stuff, but they're using like mooring line. It's easy to grab. Like yeah. even like army physical right. training class, uh, 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 obstacle courses and stuff. MacGyver's uh, uh, MacGyverland course. Yes, heavy duty rope. Right. This guy is using like three three eighths inch or the uh, you know almost like three quarter inch climbing rope. Yeah, like exactly. that is so hard to grab. And he climbs up the Did wall. Did he have gloves? He has gloves. Okay. But he climbs but up the wall like Fezzik without his feet, <laughs> just pulling himself straight up. This guy's got some amazing upper body strength. He does. He's Clearly, because like, he held himself Who knows Ugh. how freaking long on the bottom of Mac's Jeep. I know. He's so, just a man of steel. Um, So Mac and Pete, they, they exit the elevator, and the, this guy, he drops down into the elevator, and before it closes... He takes off his mask, he puts on a white lab coat, a pair of glasses, and he exits the elevator, while at the same time he slaps an out-of-order sign onto the elevator and then proceeds on his way. Well, what I thought was great is he had that that lab outfit underneath his commando outfit. Oh, yeah. No, he was ready to go. Yeah. And the glasses, I don't know where the hell how those glasses came I don't from know. inflatable or something yeah <laughs> so so mac and pete they meet cause for the first time d d cause i'm sorry um <laughs> dr cause who has no recollection whatsoever of reaching out to mac or pete he is complete scatterbrain and the first time when i saw this i looked at him i was like oh my god that's dorfman 
Oh, it was. From Animal it? House. Yes, yeah. it was. This was only seven years, seven or eight years post-Animal House. Which explains the excellent line delivery. Yes. And I saw it, and I was like, oh, he's going to be good. And he really was. He was one of my favorite parts of the episode. You liked him? I thought he was great. Really? I liked that absent-mindedness, and I just think it might have been because... Oh, God, he had some of the, some of the worst delivery I, I, ever. Well, he has a line. He's got a line coming up here. I'm going to tell you, this is one of my favorite deliveries, and I loved it. So... So Mac and Pete and Kaz, they go to the lab, and and Kaz tells Mac and Pete, like he's like, oh, I've been working on this 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 um, uh, back not bacteria, this organism is called Bacillus anthracis. Essentially, it's anthrax. Yeah, he's been working on a very highly uh, a highly volatile strain of anthrax, mm. and he's at the moment he's building a sensor, and what that sensor is supposed to do is it's going to detect. Whether or not this anthrax or any of the anthrax has left the building. And he's like, okay, I want to keep doing this, but unfortunately, I spent all of my research and development funds on the research part. So now I'm going to need a little bit more money for the development. Right. At this point, like Max, like he's got a telescope, a microscope in his hand, and he's like fiddling with things, like looking at all angles of it. And Cause <laughs> Cause looks at him and he goes, MacGyver, put that down, please. Come on. Like, he just I like, love he kept freaking out on. <laughs> kept telling MacGyver to nah, don't touch that. Nope, don't touch that. Right. Don't touch that. And don't touch that. Right. Oh, wait. <laughs> don't touch, don't that. touch that. So as, as they're talking, the guy who came out of the elevator, this this commando, he has gone into a, a, a locker, a locker room, and he, and he changes into a hazmat suit. Puts the hazmat suit on. He kind of like slinks into the lab and very easily just like snags a vial of the anthrax. Right. He puts on the suit. No one pays attention to nope. him. He walks right in. And you actually you see him in the background when Mac and Cause and Pete are talking. Like you see him walk into the lab behind them. Yeah. Takes the vial of anthrax, like just stuffs it in his pocket. Which I thought was pretty nonchalant. Like this guy walks in and just puts it... In his vest pocket, or like right. in, his, in his no, in his pants pocket, right? This vial of anthrax. It's we know nah. anthrax is terrible stuff. It's awful. Oh yeah, it's terrible stuff. It's awful. And he just c- calmly puts it in his pocket. Okay. And, and he takes this vial and he walks out. The sensors detect it. Facility goes into lockdown. This guy, he he runs back to the elevator, and, and one of the one of the scientists comes out of the uh, comes out of one of the rooms and goes, "Hey, yeah, uh, you know, you don't take the elevator. We're all in lockdown. You're supposed to get away from that. Get away from the door." And this guy turns around and like Chudo chops the scientist to the like, ground, punch him in the stomach, and as he's doubled over, he cracks him in the back of the head, and he drops to the ground. Yeah, it's it was, like, oh, and then he just like goes back to trying to jam open the, the elevator yeah. doors. Great, he, he gets the elevator door open. He gets up to the top of the elevator shaft. He repels the rope again just with his arms oh no, yeah no. pulls himself all the way up oh but first he has like a little mental like ah yes he's still having a, a little he's still having a grunty headache yeah, a little incredible hulk constipation moment yeah so he cuts the rope behind him so that nobody can follow him up and what i love is this is so so macgyver gets into the uh into the elevator and he realizes that because it's in lockdown the elevator can't go up right so he has to reroute the power of course. of course he does. Of course he does. How, and how does he do it, David? So he reroutes the power to the stalled elevator car by bypassing the lock, the lockdown. Basically, just like by, I think they even said like he bypassed the lockdown, like with his Swiss Army knife. Yeah, he popped it open and shorted the thing out. But I'm thinking he had to have held held that Army knife just in the right way, just holding the plastic, right, so he didn't get electrocuted. Yep. 
and he didn't. No, he did not. <laughs> but anyway, it worked. He MacGyvered the elevator, and it started slowly going up. Exactly. So, however slowly this goes, I don't know how long this guy was up there on the roof, but it, it should have been enough time for him to get across the roof. He he fires a... Was it, a, was it another grappling hook, wasn't it? Um, what does he fire across the roof? No, to the other, okay. To, uh, over the fence. <laughs> it's like... Excuse <a, laughs> <laughs> You good? I'm fine. Okay. Yeah, so he fired he fired like this he was building this mini rocket launcher on the roof. Kinda like remember when Nordberg in in, in a in a the naked gun is slowly assembling more and more parts and he ends <laughs> yes. up with this anti aircraft yes. gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This howitzer. He kinda does that, only he doesn't get that far. But it turns into like this little like shoulder launched rocket device. And he fires this rocket like across the across the property into like a telephone pole way far away and it has a rope attached to it oh Um, yeah so it's not like a crossbow it's a a rocket dart yeah that's the best as i could say yeah so he fires it across and it like lands a ways out like into a into a train yard and it's it's he does this really really slowly because macgyver makes his way to the roof and when he gets up there he recognizes immediately the guy turns around and he recognizes immediately he goes steve what the hell are you doing up here? And he goes, um, apparently it's this guy, his name is Steve Morrison, who saved MacGyver's life. He's like, of course I'd remember you. You saved my life. Like, uh-huh. why, wouldn't I, why wouldn't I remember you? And Steve's like, Mac, you do not want to interfere with this. Please don't get in my way. It's not going to be worth anyone's time. And he gets, he gets on the line. He slides down across it. Yeah. Over into the train because yard. He sees a, a train coming. He's like, "All right, I gotta go. I'm see, see you later. Don't follow me." And he goes flying across, and uh, basically, the tr- there's a train coming slow, like a freight train. And he fl- he flies on this uh, zip line over there. And MacGyver starts following him, but he doesn't have the proper like uh, devices, so he's going hand over hand with his feet up on it. Right. And then uh, Steve cuts the line and MacGyver swings down and slams into the side of the building yep. just dangling there by his hands and Steve jumps on the train and the, on the caboose on the end and uh, makes his <laughs> escape that way right kind of looks at MacGyver um, kind of like just looks at him not like menacingly and MacGyver just watches him go away while he's still dangling on the side of the yeah. building and we cut to commercial and we come back and we don't actually see Mac escape from this It's because it's the next day um, and so according to Morrison's file uh he was transferred to what they call a non-op position. So he they took him out of the field. He was um, a he was a Navy SEAL. He was a Navy SEAL, and they took him off. They took him out of the field. They gave him a non-op position, non-operational position. Right. About five months ago, and then uh, after that five months, uh, they said that they had honorably discharged him um, for reasons at this point that were unknown. Um, and so, cause warns uh warns pete macgyver he's like of course he's like of course this is the vial this is the most virulent strain of anthrax that he's, he could have stolen but he's like, like he's like oh no he took that sample that's the most virulent strain <laughs> of course it's the most virulent strain but he said it the, the delivery of that line was I just terrible. and i had to laugh because i'm like knowing who the actor is oh no <clears throat> Oh no, he took not that strain. <laughs> oh no, no, that's Dwayne. That's the most virulent one. Right. And apparently this he's like, Oh, that vial. He's like, that was only intended for lab use. They weren't that was not supposed to leave here because any major change in the environment is gonna break the seal and release the anthrax. Oh no. <laughs> oh gee, oh no. And and uh, meanwhile, Pete and MacGyver there are there and Pete's like, "What are you telling me? That we have a major problem on our hands?" Yes. I just thought it was so funny cuz they were literally 
the script was spelling it out for the viewers because I don't know but up to this point like I don't know what exposure the country had had to like anthrax like did they know like I don't imagine that in 1989 I know no one probably knew what anthrax was so they're spelling this thing out <laughs> so heavily right so so of course okay so yes it's a highly virulent strain of anthrax <laughs> exposure or any major changes in the environment will break the seal of the vial and release the anthrax right sure so we cut to morrison <clears throat> at his house and he and he gets on the phone with some prospective buyers of the of these two guys their name is a muller and felder or mueller and felder and of course they they sounded vaguely german they sounded german <laughs> yeah which always gets me because you know when they're hanging out together they should be speaking the language of their accent. Yes. They would be speaking in German to each other. Yes. Not in, in English with a German accent. Right. Exactly. So they, they, they agree to, to, uh, to, to Morris and they're like, all right, fine, let's make, we'll make this exchange. Um, they, so they agree to make the exchange. And once they get off the phone, of course, they plan to kill Morrison once they have the anthrax. They make the cash exchange, right. take the anthrax, and then they're going to kill Morrison. Sure, sure. Of course they are. So Mac and Pete go to see Morrison's uh, commanding officer. Or I'm sorry, his ex-commanding officer. His name is uh, Hilliard. And so we get this. We get the backstory. And this is brutal. <clears throat> well, this is brutal. So we get this backstory that, that Morrison was injured in a bombing incident. And so this was the same bombing incident that saved that he saved MacGyver's life. Yes. And Morrison was hospitalized. But then released shortly after that with a clean bill of health. Shortly after being released from the hospital, Morrison began acting incredibly erratically, like really not like himself. Mm-hmm. And he started endangering the, all the Navy SEALs around him. Uh-huh. What I think was great is that at this point, there's a, it's a kind of a throwaway line, but they're talking about like he, cut, he caught up after the bomb went off, he caught a piece of shrapnel on the head. Yeah, pink. Which explains the headaches. Right. And I was just like, God, that's fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, so they're like, yeah, so we had to, we, that's why we had to discharge him because after he left the hospital, he started getting real weird. Yeah. Started getting kind of like violent and we and this is his commander talking. This is the commander in, the, g- in the gym, right? <clears throat> yeah. So, so I had a whole thing here. Okay. Like, so Pete and MacGyver are, are in this uh, military training facility. It's a big gym talking to this commander who's like, they're walking through together and the commander's like reticent to tell him stuff. And Pete's like, look. We're look. We're both here. We're both classified top secret. You know, we you can get. We're classified. You know, we're we're re- we can. Uh, we've passed the clearance. We're cleared to get this information. Uh, right. Tell us this top secret information. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So the commander does standing in the middle of the gym with all these people around. Yeah. Not that it's like really crazy classified. No, but there's enough people in there. But I'm like, so that's what you're not going to go into an office, right? Yeah. You're not gonna just it's like all right, fine. Follow me. We're gonna talk in private. Right? Is it? Is it just? Is it like as soon as you hear the words, we have clearance? You just have to stop. Like you just like okay, fine. I'll tell you right. Fine. Right. I'll tell you right here. Fine. Right, fuck it. I'll tell I'll you right here. All right, Johnny, go get us a glass of water because we're gonna stand here and we're gonna talk about classified information right here, right here. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because Pete said so. Pete said they had clearance, so apparently we have to tell them right. MacGyver here. and I have clearance. Uh, I told you that MacGyver's my best friend, and we have clearance to do this. And you shut up and tell me. And Steve saved his life. Uh, Steve, his Steve saved my best friend's life. He's uh, a shrapnel in the face. It was shrapnel face. And we have clearance. I have pictures of shrapnel face. <laughs> so, so Hilliard, the phone rings, and I love this because they're like, "Oh, I love this scene too." This is such. 
<laughs> MacGyver's like, and you haven't. MacGyver's telling, I was talking to Hilliard, and he's like, you haven't heard anything from from Morrison, and how long? He's like, oh, it's been a while. I haven't heard anything from him. And then we hear right. we hear the ping. We hear the PA system going. And he goes, Commander Hilliard, you have a phone call from Steve Morrison. <laughs> right, <laughs> bam, right me? there. So they walk over to the desk <laughs> that's in the gym, like not in an office. Oh. It's in the gym with the phone on it. Right. I don't even think he pushed a button. Like Captain it was just... over to the white courtesy phone. Captain Seriously, Clarence over like, to the white courtesy phone. Anyone could have picked the phone. I'd be like, yeah, this is Hilliard. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Yep. There you go. So he picked up the phone and Morrison's on the other line and he tells Hilliard he's like listen he's like you need to meet me my house half an hour he's like I got some stuff I need to figure out I need to talk to you you're going to be there and uh, Hilliard pretty quickly agrees we don't really see yeah which is crazy so He's like, yeah, okay, I'll be there in half an hour to whatever house this is. And Pete's like, all right, I'll I'll, I'll inform the authorities. So Hilliard and Mac get there first, and there are no cops around. Now, here's a guy who just stole a vial of anthrax, who's a Navy SEAL, and who is obviously having some mental health issues. Right. And they go there alone? Right. With no backup? Right. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So this is. I love this scene. So before before they get there, we we catch a scene of. So Morrison hangs up the phone, and what he does is he goes over to this like pile of logs, and he reaches behind it, and he flips on like an infrared beam. <clears throat> yes, it's, it's like yes. A, it's like a motion sensor, and he flips it on, and he leaves the house exactly how he left, how he wants it. He goes outside, and his wife Marie pulls up. And she's like, oh, did you get everything out you needed? And he's like, yeah, I got everything I wanted. She's like, well, let me go back in and just make one last round. Uh, we'll make sure that we got everything. And he like violently like grabs her arms like, no, I got everything. I don't need you to go back into the house. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Just you need to. I'm sorry. Just promise me you're going to give me another chance. I'm like, what the? F- yeah. Yeah. Was- he's like, don't turn on me, too. Like right off the bat. Like, yeah. OK, there's one of those mood swings. Sure. Yeah. And she was like, fine. I'm sorry. I'm never going to let you go, and right. I'm never going to leave you. <laughs> right. I was you like, know oh me. You know me, Steve. It was such a moment. It was such a quick transition right. to being sorry. So he throws all this stuff in the car, and they drive away. Right. At the same, Not at the same time, but however much longer later, we see, like you said, MacGyver and Hilliard I would arrive. say like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, ex- absolutely. So they get there, and they go inside Morrison's house, and Hilliard steps across this infrared beam which triggers a uh, a pre-recorded message from from Morrison and it's basically him talking to Hilliard and he's like you see that desk over there he's like there's a bomb on that desk he's like you see that box up there above the desk he's like that's a motion sensor you're not going to move because that'll trigger the bomb to go off he's like you have 2 minutes to think about what you did to me but if you try to leave the bomb's going to go off immediately because of the motion sensor so either way, you're dead. It's pretty impressive. It was really, it was really awesome. It was great, and of course, MacGyver's there too, and he's like, "Ah, oh, shit, fucking a." And so we cut. But there, but there are no cops yet. Nope. There's nobody nope. there because they left Pete in charge of getting the cops. Right. Of course they yeah. did. And Pete's Pete has a different vehicle in this episode too. He's not driving his usual like Chevy. Oh, I didn't even notice that. So we cut to commercial, and then we come back, and we we're still in the living room, and they're just like Mac and Hilliard are standing completely silently still. And the timer goes off. Was it two minutes? It was a two minutes. It was a timer. two minute timer. Yeah. And so Mac, like really quietly, is like, "Reach over and slide that floor lamp to me very quietly and very, very slowly. Very slowly." He's like, "Take the lampshade off and slide the lamp to me very slowly. S- slide it to me slowly." And it was just like I was watching this. I'm like, "This is it. Like this is the moment where I start to fall in love with this episode." Right. And it was. Yeah. And he's like, 
He's like, you're going to slowly, I want you to take the lamp and hold it right up very slowly. <laughs> hold it right up to the motion sensor. Mm-hmm. And what was going to happen is it was going to, f- essentially, in essence, the light was going to go on. It was going to blind the motion sensor enough so that MacGyver could right. move out so he's going to get back. As, the- as, the, as the commander, uh, as speaking aloud, as, you know, thinking of MacGyver, you know, explaining what MacGyver is doing to all of us. Right. It's like, so you think that the heat from the light bulb is going to blind the motion sensor? Spell it out. Like- yeah. And MacGyver's like, yeah, that's the thought. Right. So he gets it right up close, turns it on, and MacGyver waits a second and then immediately starts to move right towards and this was great. I love this scene, yeah. He opens the box that the the explosives are in. He's just like ah ah jeez. Like he had no idea and what to do. It's just like it's just it's like three sticks of dynamite that are connected by wiring that then go to like one of those big fat batteries. Yeah, like a lantern battery. Like a lantern battery, and it's just like coiled around every one of the coils, and that's it. Yeah, and he's just like ah uh, his reaction was great. He's like, ah, he was so lost. Uh, okay, Bang. and just yanks one of the power cords off the battery. And I think the timer gets to zero. The timer gets to zero, but nothing happens. He's like, Whew. I love Whew. it. No idea what to do. So he just like he just like rips the wiring off the battery. It was great. <laughs> it was awesome. Okay, it, but it was what I liked about that. It was it was a very just like it was an un MacGyver MacGyver moment because he didn't like try to rig something. Right. He's just like fuck. I don't know what the fuck to do. I was like I just pull a wire. Like just yeah. ripped a wire out. Either I'm dead or I'm not. Exactly. Um. So after that goes off, MacGyver finds these maps of uh, of the state of Oregon, and he assumes that this is the area where Morrison and his wife are moving to. So finally, Pete arrives. <laughs> With oh, right. one cop. With one, yeah, one <laughs> police officer, one car. Who he then tells to go after MacGyver comes out. Pete then sends him away and he tells him to go set up roadblocks all the way to Oregon. <laughs> right. I'll go set up some roadblocks. We know where they're going. Yeah. Um, so Mac, as, as Mac goes back into the house to kind of figure some stuff out, he finds these letters. And these letters are basically uh, sort of like pleas for help from Marie. And Marie had sent these... Steve's wife. Steve's wife. So Steve's wife, Marie, had sent these letters to Hilliard, basically like begging for help. Like, I need your help. My husband is something wrong. Like, I need you to do that. And Hilliard literally didn't look at them and just sent all the letters back unanswered. Yeah, just a classic form letter response and sent them all back. Right, and defended his decision. He's like, well, that whatever happened, whatever that was, was between Morrison and the VA, like yeah. the veterans. Like, that's it. Like, I, I, right. I, I was doing my job. Kind of a dick about it. Yeah, very kind of uh, steely. Yeah, and so we cut to we cut to Morrison and uh, and Marie, and they're they're on their way to Oregon, and and Morrison starts talking about how like all right, we're gonna be able to go relax, we can charter a boat, we'll be able to do this, we'll be living life easy. And Marie's, Marie's like, like, "You don't have money for that." He's like, "Don't worry, I can cover it." Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> so they okay. so they come to a roadblock, and Morrison basically pulls like an "oh shit" moment. Yeah. Marie's like barraging him with questions. What are you like, doing? That's the police. Why are you turning around? What's going on? What are you doing? And he's silently doing? just like three point turns, backs up and turns and goes the other way and just pulls up and then like beelines, U turns it up a hill, kind of like circumnavigates the roadblock. And I'm thinking to myself, like, the cops didn't see that. Like, that's not going to like raise any red flags. Like, if. Right. Someone's screeching to a halt in the middle of the road, like 100 yards from their roadblock and then turning around. Like, very quickly turning around. Like, I right. get like. If you don't want to stay in that, but like at least maybe try to pull him over and just ask right. like, "Hey, where were you going in such a hurry?" to get your right. answers. But no, no, yeah. he gets away. Yeah, and so I love this next scene. So he goes, so they pull into a rest area, 
and he gets out of the car and he tells Marie, he's like, you stay in the car and you don't do it. You don't move. I gotta what go. are you doing? Are you just in, stay in the car. Are I told you, you in trouble? <laughs> I'm fine. And so he, he gets on the payphone and he calls Mueller and he's like, listen, change of plans. I don't like changes of plans. Yeah, well, and he kind of gives some cockamamie excuse and reason as to why the plan had to change. And he's like, here's what we're going to do. He's like, there's a summer camp really close by to our original exchange point. Closed for the season. He's like, you're going to meet me there. And Mueller's like, all right. We'll meet by helicopter. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, uh, what's her name's in the car? Marie. Marie's in the car. Yeah. And it's just kind of looking around like, like, what's going on? What's going on? And then like lifts up some some clothing or something and there's a there in 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 steve's duffel bag right. like you know how duffel bags have a usually a little outside pocket with a zipper right there is the little vial of anthrax sticking out like half exposed <laughs> and i'm like wait 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 yep so that's how you're storing it you just stuff it in the outside pocket of your duffel bag <laughs> yep absolutely and that's what he yeah, and that's some he, seal. I mean, what were you what are you thinking? Right. And so we so we cut back to Morrison and he hangs up the phone and he he turns around and Marie's just like standing there and she's like, What are you gonna tell me now what's going on? Well she's holding the anthrax in her hands. Like, right. What is this? You stole this from the Phoenix Foundation, didn't you? Yeah. And she starts having this epic meltdown yeah. in the middle of this rest area. And Morrison, but, like, I'm thinking, why you you read you had it in your hand and you read that it said anthrax, right? Right. I'd be like, I would treat this like it's radioactive, like not just get, like get away from me, shaking it every. What you are you d- doing? D- like shaking it with every every syllable. Right. That she's Awful. And Morris is like, the cops are never going to catch me, and I'm starting to question your loyalty to me, <laughs> and I, I'm just you betrayed me, just like the Navy, and just like MacGyver. And he like grabs the car keys out of Marie's hands and just sprints off into the woods. Yeah, and the anthrax, <laughs> and he runs off in the woods towards that summer camp because there was a sign there. Yeah. And Marie just stands there crying and then sees the payphone. And, and she's like, <sighs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, so she's screaming bloody murder. Like, come back. And yeah. I'm like, there are people all over this rest stop. You can clearly see people walking around in the background. Right. And no one comes to Marie's side for support or right. help. She's screaming bloody murder in the middle of a rest right. stop. And no one, <laughs> and you didn't, no one saw this fight. And then Steve have this little like whiny baby run off into the woods. Right. Like, you betrayed me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it just like takes off into the woods. Oh, God. Um, so, of course, Marie sees the payphone, like you said, and she calls MacGyver. And when MacGyver and all the others arrive. Well, I'm wondering how she called MacGyver. Did she call him from the payphone? I don't, yeah, I'm guessing so. I would because, imagine. So, okay. So it cuts. Steve runs off into the woods. Marie looks at the payphone, and then it cuts. <laughs> and then the next scene is Pete's car and MacGyver's jeep. No, it's not. Yeah, it is MacGyver. No, it isn't. It's it's Pete's car and then the general's car or the the commander's Sorry. car pulling up. It's not. They're not cop cars. They're not police cars. It's Pete MacGyver and and the commander. Right. Pull up in, in civilian cars. Yeah. I don't know how she got in touch with them. Oh right, because they're like they don't have phones in their cars. Right, I don't think anyone either of them have have car phones. Right, so they pull up, and also with MacGyver and Pete knowing the story. Right, there are no police there. Right, they just take the commander with them. Right, right. It was very weird. It's like okay, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm I've been laughing this whole time, not because of the story, but I just I had. I had a thought of who th- that moment when he starts questioning like Marie's loyalty. Yes, of what that reminded me of, and I can't <laughs> stop laughing about it. It's at the end of one of the Austin Powers movies. 
<laughs> what? When number two starts like having a meltdown about Dr. Evil and he goes, I've had enough of you pushing me around. And he just like runs away. That's all I can think about. I'm like crying over and thinking about it. And you can just see him like running through the woods, just like, he's just gonna push me around for the last time. It's like running through the woods. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. All right, here we go. So, okay, so MacGyver somehow arrives with Hilliard and Pete, and I believe another cop, right? I or maybe don't it was just Hilliard. So. And it was just the three of them. Yeah, it was just the three of them. And so Marie, like, goes on the offensive and just um, starts snaps at Hilliard. She's like, You abandoned my husband. You wouldn't let him do this. And, you know, Hilliard just sticking to his guns. He was like, I'm just doing my job. I'm sorry about that, but he was no longer good for us. Right. Like, uh, he couldn't be a soldier anymore. He was unreliable. Right. So, cause hears this is another one of those moments that you love so when cause hears about the buyers coming by helicopter yeah he goes and has another oh no moment he's like, he's like oh, whoa, 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 whoa. oh no and they're like what cause what what is what is the problem he's like well any change in the air pressure will breach the vial seal <laughs> no guys <laughs> And Pete's like, wait, uh, you're telling me that we have a major crisis on our hands? So you're telling me, just like he replays the entire story in the script. Right. So you're telling me that, and he starts right from the beginning, that MacGyver's going to pull into the Phoenix Foundation. There's going to be a guy under his car. And this is great. So like, as Pete is like uh, talking to these, like to to cause and all this stuff. Oh my God, I love this. This dude walks up and says, hey, he said he'd, you'd pay me 500 bucks for the bike. What, Pete's like, what are, you ta- what? what are you talking about? What bike? And the camera pans over. We see Mac like take this guy's dirt bike off the back of his truck and just like bomb into the woods. <laughs> I would so, have loved to have seen Pete like just defeated, like pull his wallet out and just start throwing hundreds at this guy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so this is like one of the many times MacGyver has thrown Pete under the bus to get him to pay for something. Because it happened in with Nikki in season three when yes. he took uh, outside the convention center. Yeah. He took the motorcycle, and the guy goes, oh, this guy told me you'd be good for it. You'd pay me for the motorcycle. <laughs> like, what, are, what are you what are you? Talking? Fuck my guy, man. <laughs> oh, it's okay. The Phoenix Foundation has the money. They sure do. Um, so we see MacGyver like, drive off into the woods, and we cut to commercial. And then we come back, and we learn that uh, due to the shrapnel and whatever else was happening in Morrison's brain, he ended up with lesions on his brain because of this explosion. And he left the hospital prematurely. And Marie, like, really needed Hilliard. Like, she was like, I needed you to convince Morrison, to convince Steve to come back to the hospital. Like, he needed to be back in that hospital. Clearly, he wasn't well. Right. And Hilliard, again, was like, I was just following the rules. There was nothing I could have done. And Marie's like, I don't fucking believe you. (laughs) Like, you know. And I felt bad because I feel like Morrison is struggling. Not Morrison. Hilliard. You can see that there's like an internal struggle. Like he's struggling really hard. Like he knows he should have done the right thing. But as a military man, he's just following protocol. Right. He's just doing what he has to do. And I like that about the character, except for the end. But we'll get there in a, in a few minutes. So we see Morrison. He's been sprinting for however long it's been. <laughs> sprinting through the woods. He he sees the helicopter land and he meets up with... Uh, he, he sees Mueller and in, in Felder get out of the... Um, helicopter and so while this is happening we cut back to mac who's bombing through the woods like tearing ass on that and i'm thinking to myself i'm like how far and how fast did morrison run for macgyver to have not made it to him in time on a motorcycle yeah right even though even like at one point macgyver like um he crashes the he crashes the dirt bike and then like uses a piece of tree bark as a ramp and then like drives over the stump yeah because there's a, a tree across the road well here's the thing 
Steve is a Navy SEAL. He's in peak physical condition. Exactly. And he ran into the woods at a full sprint. Yes. And, he, and then when we came back from commercial, he was still running at a full sprint. Yes. He was just like, huh, do, 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 do. like robotic speed. Yeah, hammering through the woods. <laughs> it was great. And so MacGyver eventually, so he shows up, he arrives, and he kind of like hangs back, and he sees, he sees the exchange take place. And as this is going on, he sees, you know, um, Morrison takes the cash and he starts like backing up and he turns around to walk away. And one of the guys, I don't, I don't remember which one it was, but one of the guys pulls a gun and shoots Morrison. Yeah. Point, like right, like uh, probably 50 yards away. Yeah. Just shoots him down to the ground. And MacGyver sees that happen and he kind of like gets in a little bit closer. So the helicopter starts up again. The The rotor goes, the back... Um, in the back of the rotor blade starts going in the back and it's like it was like almost it was, he pulls up next to a tire swing <laughs> and like he's literally that close to the rotor and i'm like oh geez I wonder what the fuck he's gonna do now yeah. like so he takes the rope off the tire swing and he ropes it around and he basically uses the rope swing to tangle the rotor blade and then rip the rotor blade off like, the back of the helicopter. Right, this is the rear, the tail rotor. And yeah. it's like, and he, I thought he was just going to jam it all up and the rope was going to pull around it and twist everything up and make a mess. Right. But no, the blades pop off. Yeah, he pulls the blades off the <laughs> helicopter. It was unbelievable. And so, of course, the, the pilot, you know, Mueller and Felder, Felder are like, whoa, we want to go and check what's going on. So they get out, and MacGyver rides by and just like snags the vial of anthrax. Because it's in like a little fanny pack. Yeah. Yeah, and he, MacGyver zooms by and takes it, just like, zoop. Yeah. Like, as if you were to ride by on a horse and, like, swipe something out of your hand. He yeah. just did it on a dirt bike. And so MacGyver keeps going as far as he can. He tries to get away, and um, one of the guys takes his gun out, shoots the motorcycle, which causes it to flip and sends MacGyver just, like, going ass over tea kettle right. over the front of the motorcycle and just landing amongst a bunch of canoes that have been stored for the winter. Which is where he seeks refuge. Yes. And he hides he hides behind a he hides behind a bunch of old canoes. In his canoe church. So they start like slowly moving in and they're trying to get get going in for the kill. They want to take care of MacGyver and get the anthrax back. And as they come down over the hill, we see the shot. It's it's from MacGyver's perspective. He's like right over MacGyver. We see him behind the ha- behind the canoes. We see the two guys come over the hill. And as they get to the bottom of the hill, we don't even hear it. We just see Morrison like dive tackle one of them to the ground. Yeah. Like he comes out over the hill, dive tackles one of the guys to the ground, which gives MacGyver enough time to basically take the other guy out while Morrison takes care of the other guy. It was an amazing dive. Like it was just like a full body dry heave on top of one of the other guys. It was fucking amazing. So Morrison grabs the gun from Mueller. And he points the gun at MacGyver, and he's like, you better hand over that anthrax now. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into the middle of. And MacGyver's like, you, you need to give me a chance. He's like, you saved my life, Steve. Mm-hmm. Now give me a chance to save your life, okay? I, I, please. And Steve did all this stuff with a bullet in his chest. Yeah. Yeah. Nardog. It was amazing. He's, you know, I don't even think he was holding the wound. <laughs> and so he just breaks down into tears, just starts sobbing uncontrollably. MacGyver just, like, cradles him on the ground he gives up the morrison gives up the gun to macgyver and we kind of like we kind of like pan out and we just see macgyver kneeling on the ground with morrison just like holding him and morrison is sobbing like uncontrollably sobbing on the ground 
And here's yeah, where pretty sad. Here's where I started to just like I was so pissed about the ending of this episode. So <laughs> we get to the end of the episode, and Morrison has gotten the necessary treatment, and he's ready to he's ready to leave the hospital. He's 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 doing pretty well. Yeah, and MacGyver is there, and he's getting ready to drive them home. And uh, Hilliard arrives. He shows up, and he, he walks over to Morrison. And he's like, "Listen, I'm really sorry for abandoning you. I, sh- I shouldn't have done that." That that wasn't that wasn't what I should have what I should have done and I apologize, and like he accepts the apology and he kind of like moves on and he salutes you know Hilliard salutes Morrison, and uh, shakes his hand and Hilliard leaves, and we get this scene at the end of the episode here where Max getting ready to leave him, and we see we see Morrison like bend over and he like looks under the jeep yeah and he says he makes a comment about how it's going to be better than now that now he's like oh well you're going to be driving me back Mac it's going to be a little easier now that you know where I am. And we get this closing scene of the two of them uh, right before we, we end the episode. Well, at least this time you'll know I'm along for the ride. Yeah. Why don't you sit up here? It might be a little smoother. Welcome home. Oh, welcome home. So sweet. Here it comes. Here's my biggest snafu with this episode. Yeah. Okay. We don't even get one fucking line about this. The man is not, apparently we don't hear anything. He's not going to face charges for stealing a vial of horribly lethal anthrax and putting the country at major risk. Mm. Even a throwaway line like, we know he was mentally unfit and he didn't know what he was doing, but he's promised to go through several months of psychiatric rehabilitation. Something. We yeah. get nothing. Nothing. It's like, oh, he's okay. And he's this like, is like oh, weeks after, a week like, after. Oh, he's fine now. Like, I wanted some resolution. Like, is he going to face charges? Like, right. are they going to let him off on a temporary insanity plea? Like, what, what are they going to do? Really? Unless the Phoenix Foundation wasn't pressing charges, but the government should. Exactly. But, the, okay, yes, we know why he did it. We know. Well, actually, no. We don't know why he did it. He, why was he doing this? Right, right. There was no point. So okay, it's one thing if you're mad. Okay, great. So he breaks in the steel. Is he just act. trying to stick it to the government because Hilliard abandoned him? But, but no. Here's the thing: no one would have known who did it if Mac hadn't spotted him. Right, and he would have sold it to these guys for two million dollars. Right, and they would have shot him anyway. Right, exactly. But what was the motive to move away? I guess that was it to move away and start a new life. Right. I guess that's it. That's what he was wanting to do. He, he stole the-, the anthrax for money. It wasn't anything. I don't think he wasn't going to do anything bad with it. But this man's a patriot. He should be. Absolutely. He, he lost his way, and he was going to steal this stuff and sell it to these people who were going to do who knows what. Right. But at the same time, like we were just like he should have. There should have been something that said like we've decided not to press charges because he was mentally unstable or he was mentally unfit to do this because of the lesions or whatever. Like there should have been something instead of just like. Welcome home. Um, fucking what? Okay, yep, that's it. You know, because you know what? The Phoenix Foundation doesn't hold grudges. Apparently they don't. The Mac, Phoenix Foundation Mac does. Oh my God, you, you cross Mac once. But what? that's the thing is, that's technically in my mind, that's crossing Mac. You save Mac's life, then you go and does do something like this. Wouldn't that be considered crossing Mac? No, because this guy really needs help. Yeah. If you do it just because for money or because you're a douche, Mac hates you. 
That's true. Until you can say, it can, until you can prove that it wasn't your fault. And give a half-assed apology. And he'll be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, right, cool, you're forgiven. That's all right. Sorry for wasting the last eight years of our lives. <laughs> yeah, sorry for, <laughs> oh, geez, I, I wish I wasn't so angry the past ten years thinking about this. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, But that doesn't stop me from, I, I did I did enjoy it. It was pretty solid up to that point. So I I, I did uh, a mullet for the, the just the slow the slow burn in Morrison's house with MacGyver and Hilliard and the motion sensor. So I gave it a mullet for that. I gave it a mullet for another Mac on a dirt bike. Anytime he does that, it's a mullet right there. Because it's him. It's, 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 it's exactly. It's RDA on it, that bike. Exactly. I gave Cosby a one. I loved okay. him. I fucking loved him. Okay. And then I gave a half mullet for Morrison's breakdown. I just thought it was nice. Like he finally, like he just that realization of what he did. Yeah. Um, so I ended up with three and a half. Okay. I don't think I can go any higher than that just because uh, as I'm thinking about it now, that ending really grinds my gears okay buffs yeah my, so the, buffs my the ending was lame the ending buffs, was lame buffs my chowder what the hell does that mean dave <laughs> i don't know what the hell does that mean i don't know buffs <laughs> my chowder it's chowder chowder you dick brain <laughs> give me your mullets Greg. okay mullets i did one mullet for steve and his skills i thought that hanging underneath max jeep all the way into the phoenix foundation oh, yeah uh, uh, uh Sailing up a wall with just your arms with no legs, going down, stealing anthrax, and then shooting a rocket dart across. I mean, like super awesome skills. Pretty super well cool. thought out. Absolutely. Mullet for Steve. One mullet for the terrible acting on behalf of Cods. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my it. God, that's the most virulent strain ever. <laughs> so one mullet for that. It was ridiculous. One mullet for Pete being really whiny in this episode. He kind of was. Like, he was like, oh, we got to find my guy. <laughs> it's just so good. Anyway. <laughs> and um, one mullet for the train escape where Steve escaped on the caboose of a passing freight train. Yeah. Because I love trains. So, I, I was going to say that was probably an, an immediate so, mullet for you. Although the majority of it was pretty stupid, it was very entertaining. In the end, it was a total cop out. And pulling the rotor blade off of the freaking helicopter with the tire swing rope was bullshit. <laughs> yep. That's still four mullets for me. I, I liked it. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. Um, all right. So three and a half and four. So we're pretty, we're pretty dead on here. So yeah, again, solid episode. I just, I can't forgive. <laughs> Not even a throwaway. I didn't. I don't appreciate it. Um, so, Greg, you want to hear what's coming up next? Season finale time. Okay. <laughs> Season four, episode nineteen, unfinished business. While on a gold panning expedition, MacGyver, Jack, and Pete are stalked by a vengeful female assassin who once had a relationship with MacGyver. Now, I don't think it's a spoiler to anyone. Obviously, the show was on. It was eighteen years ago, but they give it away in the opening credits. <laughs> Of who this person is, and uh, we won't we won't really talk about it much until until the next episode for episode eighty three. But um, I, I'm I want to say I'm looking forward to the season finale. Um, this series has been very lackluster in their season finales, uh, and so I'm I'm not holding out much hope that this is going to be a good one. Yeah. Although if it is if it is who we see we, it is who we know it is as the main antagonist. It could be pretty good. It could be exciting. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it will uh, it'll break the curse of the terrible season finales. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more of our shenanigans, um, please reach out to us on uh, Facebook at Champ and Climb Blow Your Mind. You can find us on Twitter at Blow Your Mind fourteen. You can email us at Let Us Blow Your Mind at gmail.com. 
You can find us on Instagram at Champa Klein. Um, I think that's the one we love the most. We have a lot of fun uh, Instagramming and posting pictures from MacGyver. And um, I think you've probably seen at this point, uh, Greg had some fun posting uh, posting pictures of the, the emergency landing pamphlet on the airplane. <laughs> I've got a lot more. Um, we had some fun with that, and so hopefully we'll continue that. But uh, yeah, let, let us know how we're doing. ChampaKlein.com also is our website. Uh, you can find uh, not only um, all of the episodes of Mullets and Memories, but also um, every episode of Champ and Climb Blow Your Mind and our uh, now um, fully complete uh, podcast, The 1440. Uh, so feel free to reach out to us uh, any way you can and let us know how we're doing and let us know what you want to hear from us. Um, uh, we'd, love to, uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. So for Mullets and Memories this week, I am Dave Champa. And I am Greg Klein. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Mm-hmm.